Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, a CME podcast series where each week we translate today's late-breaking clinical research and news into tomorrow's practice. I'm Dr. Frank Domino, professor in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health at the University of Massachusetts Chan Medical School and editor-in-chief of the 5-Minute Clinical Consult. Be sure to follow the link in the description after today's episode for more information about today's article and to claim CME credit. This podcast is brought to you by PrimeMed. Ella is a 31-year-old software engineer who comes in for follow-up from a recent urgent care visit. She had been seen over the weekend and diagnosed with a urinary tract infection. This was her third UTI in the last six months. She has had a problem with recurrent UTIs for a while, and the urgent care doctor suggested she see you to see if there's something she can do about preventing another recurrence. Hi, this is Frank Domino. And joining me today is Dr. Alan Ehrlich, Associate Professor in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health at the University of Massachusetts Chan Medical School and Executive Editor of Dynamed. Alan, great case. Thanks for chatting about this today. Thanks for having me, Frank. Good morning. Um, so Ella's condition is fairly common. Um, how do we define recurrent UTIs and what are the risk factors for their recurrence? So recurrent UTIs, and again, we're talking about for women, because men, uh, particularly those with prostate cancers, may have recurrent UTIs, but that's not what the term is generally used to refer to. Recurrent UTIs are defined as uh, two or more episodes in a six-month period or three or more episodes within a year. Uh, If you have three or more episodes within a year, by definition, you're going to have at least two in any six-month period. In any event, recurrences need to be distinguished from an infection that fails to resolve. So this should be a new infection after a prior infection has clearly uh, gotten better. Risk factors include being sexually active, having a new sex partner, use of spermicide as part of contraception, and a history of childhood UTIs. Also, if a woman's mother has had UTIs, it increases her risk for recurrent UTIs. Interestingly, a case control study from 2000 did not find any association between pre- and post-coital voiding patterns, frequency of urination, the amount of fluid consumed, delayed voiding habits, wiping patterns, douching, use of hot tubs, or BMI, or other common things we often talk about as being more likely associated with a history of recurrent UTIs. Wow, no kidding. That's news to me. I I still counsel women to avoid after intercourse and, and drink lots of water and try not to uh, try to urinate fairly regularly. Um, all right. Well, if that, that advice is, is not well-founded, what are the treatment options for preventing recurrence? Well, it's funny you, you say that because I give the same advice. Uh, and it's not always clear that just because there wasn't an association found uh, predicting it, that if you do these things, Uh, it doesn't work. For instance, um, in 2018, uh, a trial found benefit with women drinking at least 1.5 liters of water per day. Um, So some people say, well, try and drink two to three liters of water a day. That isn't always practical. People start peeing a lot. You depending upon your job, that may not be the easiest thing to do. But fundamentally, we talk about pharmacologic and non-pharmacologic approaches. Uh, As far as the non-pharmacologic approaches, things that I still advise but understand that the data is very limited. Um, the postcoital voiding, wiping from front to back after bowel movements, these have been traditionally advised. Again, 
not a lot of evidence. Um, one of the things that sometimes comes up is cranberry products. Uh, these have been suggested as being beneficial. The theory is that they contain a compound that interferes with bacterial adherence to the bladder mucosa. The problem with um, this is there aren't any standard dose, doses or formulations. There have been a few randomized trials that show they're less effective than using antibiotics for prophylaxis. And a Cochrane review in 2012 failed to find benefit. Um, an alternative is uh, something you can get in the health food stores or in the, the, the aisles in the supermarkets called D-Manos. And this was found to have benefit in a uh, 2020 systematic review. And again, the doses aren't uh, standardized in the various studies that were looked at. The dosing range from about 450 milligrams up to two grams and anywhere from once every couple of days to multiple times a day. But again, uh, it's uh, interfering with the uh, bacteria's ability to cause infection. If none wow. of those things work or the patient's not interested in trying them, then your options come down to pharmacologic approaches. Uh, in postmenopausal women, you can consider vaginal estrogen. Uh, in premenopausal women, though, like Ella, you're pretty much the best options are either low dose prophylactic antibiotics that can be given either daily or postcoital. This, the typical ones used are trimethoprim, sulfamethoxazole, nitrofurotoin, and uh, cephalexin. And another interesting one is methenamine. Um, there are two versions of it. The one more commonly used is methenamine hippiorate. And methenamine is converted into formaldehyde in the urine. The typical dose is one gram twice a day. Um, and uh, of note, you generally need to have an acidic urine in order for the, uh, the formaldehyde to be created. And then once it's created, it acts as uh, an antiseptic to sterilize the urine. Ooh, all right. Uh, <laughs> it's um, a lot to digest, I know. It is a lot to digest. And, you know, methenamine being converted to formaldehyde is going to sound intimidating if we tell patients that. The other, the other issue is taking it twice a day. H how effective is this agent? So in 2012, a Cochrane review found some benefit, but uh, you know the data, the quality wasn't great, and they recommended at that time a large, uh, well-done randomized trial should be done to confirm the benefit. Well, recently, just such a trial was published in the British Medical Journal. 240 female adults, their mean age was about 50. They had a history of recurrent UTIs that were requiring prophylactic treatment, and they were randomized to methenamine hippurate one gram twice daily, or standard antibiotic prophylaxis for 12 months. Um, the antibiotic prophylaxis were the drugs that I mentioned above, and they were given based on previous urine culture results or allergy or intolerance factors in the individual patients. And the rates of urinary tract infection with the methenamine was 1.29 per person year compared to 0.87 in the antibiotic group. This had been designed as a non-inferiority trial, and the statistics uh, were such that it was not felt to be a statistically significant difference, and methenamine was uh, deemed to be non-inferior to antibiotics for preventing recurrent urinary tract infections. Well, I, um, I can already think of one patient who's failed a few of the other preventative methods that I might consider trying 
uh, methenamine with. Uh, what are we going to do with Ella today? Well, I think one of the things to think about when you're thinking about methenamine is that we are in an era of overuse of antibiotics. We worry about uh, proper antibiotic stewardship to avoid um, you know, antibiotic resistance becoming even more of a problem than it already is. So I think an, a non-antibiotic approach would be best. You know, I've mentioned some of the non-pharmacologic ones that we could talk with her about. And, you know, the paper we discussed probably has the highest quality evidence for a non-antibiotic approach. I think methenamine is a good place to start. But again, if people don't want to um, take a pill, you could try some of those behavioral interventions, particularly the one about drinking at least a liter and a half uh, of uh, water a day. Um and so each person is going to say, you know, what's what makes sense for them and their lifestyle. I do think uh, the importance of acidifying the urine uh, should be re- uh, kept in mind if you're going to use methenamine. The advice is that foods or substances that alkalinize the urine should be avoided. And some people recommend taking vitamin C with methenamine as a way of acidifying the urine, although there's no trial data to support this. But overall, I think any of the non-antibiotic approaches would be a good place to start. Well, Alan, this great review of recurrent UTIs, how to prevent them, and and agents, both uh, pharmacologic and non-pharmacologic. Thank you very much. Thanks, Frank. Practice pointer. Consider using methenamine hippurate one gram orally twice daily as an alternative to antibiotic prophylaxis for women with recurrent urinary tract infections. Join us next time when we talk about new data showing that exclusive breastfeeding lowers the risk of respiratory infections and asthma in children. Thank you for listening to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, brought to you by PrimeMed. To claim CME credit and receive additional information about the article referenced in today's episode, follow the link in the description. To stay up to date on the most recent clinical research and news, please subscribe to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine and be sure to check out primed.com for additional CME content.